0: gentlemen to grizzly bear blues live i am your host joe mullinax thank you so much for joining us however you may be listening on stitcher on spotify on google on on iheart on all the different kinds of podcasting networks apple Uh, i'm sure there's some that we're on that i don't even know however you want to listen to a podcast you can almost certainly find grizzly bear blues live and the other podcasts on the gbb podcast network that's three and d that's core four That's starting five, that's the Longview with Parker Fleming, which you should also be catching in addition to this show uh, as we're doing a uh, two-for midweek installment to help get you ready for the start of the second half of the season. And speaking of the Longview, old old Longview himself, Parker Fleming, the associate editor alongside Brandon Abraham. My my right-hand men, Parker being one half of that, is with me right now. Parker, how are you doing, sir?
1: Oh, I'm doing... Fantastic. I'm very excited for this show and f- to really get back into basketball. I think everybody's going to be bored now. Yeah, I would
0: I would agree with that. The boredom, certainly uh, as sports, you know, baseball's fumbling the bag, so to speak. Football's gone. Uh, you know, basketball has a real prime Hockey's still playing. But, you know, hockey is very much a regional sport. Uh, basketball has a chance to maybe take advantage of some eyes here uh, like they seem to do every few years when baseball you know, gets greedy. But that's the subject for another podcast. Ways to get in touch with the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Molinax. You can follow Parker on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. You can follow the blog that we're both so fortunate to uh, work at, and I'm so fortunate to lead as the site manager at SBN Grizzlies. That's grizzlybearblues.com, the team site for the Memphis Grizzlies over at SB Nation. And you can follow this podcast at GBB Live. Our guest at this time writes stories mostly for Bleacher Report, But he really is the writer, and obviously he's really a writer for Bleacher Report. But the main (laughs) thing that I really like talking to Jake about, and we'll talk about a little bit here at the beginning of our time, is "Built to Lose: How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever." Uh, You can get that through Triumph Books, books, excuse me, anywhere that you can get books. Mr. Jake Fisher, how are you, sir?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for the introduction. How are you guys?
0: We're doing pretty well, thank you. And I want to take a few minutes to really kind of center on your book. Uh, obviously, it's come out in the in the last year or so, but I, I enjoyed reading it when I did. And I also really like tying it in to what is currently the hot-button topic in the NBA. And I wrote about it yesterday completely coincidentally, and this is true. Uh, I must have had a mind meld or I've been doing this too long, Jake. Uh, But Zion Williamson, you know, J.J. Reddick kind of crushing Zion Williamson publicly, going back to All Star Weekend, and C.J. McCollum saying he hadn't really spoken to Zion at that point uh, after the major trade to bring him to New Orleans. I wrote about Zion Williamson, John Morant, the luck that the Grizzlies had to be number two in that draft and not number one, because as much as we might enjoy revisionist history, Jake, if the Grizzlies had gotten the number one pick, Memphis would have taken Zion Williamson and it would be them in this spot, uh, dealing with what's happening with Zion. Cause again, it's not like Memphis is a much better market than new Orleans, whatever tension there may be. Maybe you argue the Grizzlies front office, uh, is more adept to pleasing and doing things the right way. I think that the stability of Taylor Jenkins would maybe be an argument for that and the other draft picks they've had, but at the same time, Jake, just kind of connecting your book and the idea of tanking Obviously the Grizzlies and Pelicans weren't tanking the revamped lottery odds in 2019. I believe that was the first year of the new way of doing the lottery. It shook things up. And I'm interested going into the next CBA, what your take is on how the Zion situation in particular may shake things up relative to what Memphis has found themselves lucking into with Morant being almost perfect for the Grizzlies and their fan base.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as relates to my book and thank you for the opportunity to to show this thing <laughs> um, the twenty nineteen draft lottery that ultimately allowed both New Orleans and Memphis to jump up into the draft order that was a direct result of Sam Hankey's process tenure in Philadelphia, right so in a roundabout way, Grizzlies fans kind of have Philadelphia and Sam Hankey to thank being that the Grizzlies most likely would not have been able to have jumped all the way up to number two without those odds having been changed. Um, so you spin it forward to, to you know, I think that was a big the, – the the sliding doors moments of these drafts, Cleveland decided to take Andrew Wiggins instead of Joel Embiid, um, number one in 2014, um, you know, down the list in, you know, the 2013 draft, the, the, the Kings took – Ben McIlmore over CJ McCollum. You know, does that become a, a point guard big man pairing in Sacramento? And Pete D'Alessandro and Mike Malone are still all there with DeMarcus the Cousins right now. Um it, it's just it's very fascinating how every draft seems to bring um the potential to change or you know make a franchise's history. And you're right. I mean the Grizzlies ultimately Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Getting John Morant number two um, in a draft that he probably would have gone one in if it wasn't for Zion Williamson. And what Zion has become, it's going to potentially go down as a situation just like Kevin Durant and Greg Oden back in 2007.
0: I did my best in my piece, Jake, to not make that connection because I feel like it's still a little too early. And I'm not saying that you said it is or isn't. Um, I still see it as too early to make that direct line but there's a lot of connections, right? I think somebody said Greg Oden played 87 games in his first three seasons. Zion is at 85. Does anybody really see Williamson playing this season? That's an interesting question. So there's definitely some, some lines of connectivity there. And, you know, obviously Memphis is thrilled to be on the side of things with John Morant being the, playing the role of Kevin Durant in this example. But I do want to go to your expertise, Jake. You know, you, Mark Stein, so many others do a phenomenal job covering the NBA trade deadline. Thank and you. Park, I'll bring Parker in in a moment on this because he and I would have debates over Kenrick or, as he likes to call him, Midrick Williams. Um, the Grizzlies did nothing at the trade deadline. Literally not a thing. I wanted them to shore up the end of their rotation. I'm not as big of a believer in Zaire Williams as a playoff player. John Conchar, to a lesser extent. I think I believe in Conchar more than Williams. Williams is just so young. Uh, I wanted to see them go and get a guy that was versatile, could help at the end of that rotation. Not saying he should play in front of Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark, the Anthony Melton, maybe even Kyle Anderson. But in ninth or tenth man, if an injury happens, that would have made me feel better. And I thought he could have been had for relatively cheap, considering what the Grizzlies have in their arsenal of draft capital You know, Jarrett Culver and a heavily protected first probably would have gotten the job done. Nothing came of it. I'm curious, Jake, how much, if anything, obviously you wrote a little bit about, you know, the Grizzlies exploring Culver moves in some of your pieces for Bleacher Report leading up to the deadline. How much smoke was there? Was there really any, you know, continuation of conversations or was it mostly Memphis fielding, phone calls, not liking what they heard and hanging up?
2: Yeah, I didn't hear too much about the Grizzlies throughout all the deadline. It was them, Phoenix, um, trying to think of other teams that really were being quiet or that, that were quiet. I mean, that's really it in terms of – let me pull up the standings as I keep talking. I'm, I'm a visual learner. But I think with the Grizzlies and the Phoenix in particular, like it makes sense, right? They're both to a top couple of teams in the league – Um. No. Yeah. I think really Milwaukee was looking for for a backup big, and they got Serge Ibaka. The Nets were obviously entrenched with the James Harden stuff, and they were talking about other places. You know, Miami ends up making that small move with the Thunder to clear a spot, and people were talking about them. The Bulls were active. Philly was active. In the West, I mean, Golden State. Yeah, Golden State was was quiet as well. Really, outside of Phoenix, Golden State and Memphis, which again, three of the top you know five teams in the league. Um, everyone else was kind of active here. The Jazz were looking for a wing player, the Mavericks were super active and trying to offload Christoph Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. Denver made a couple of moves. So, I think with the Grizzlies, I, I, I do think it was probably more so of them just listening more so than making calls. Um, there were talks with Kyle Anderson back at last year's draft period and I, I would imagine those conversations happen again in some capacity with Boston Um, but I don't think anything there was too too serious Um, and I didn't really even hear that conversation did happen I'm just kind of making educated guess right because um, all along the, the word from and, and around Memphis was that they were going to see this group in the first round and potentially hopefully for, from Memphis's perspective later rounds and kind of really evaluate and go into this offseason when they'll have cap space most likely um, and a couple of picks to spare too. So I think it's kind of, they're, they're holding their cars and waiting or their cards, excuse me, and waiting to see how this all unfolds.
0: And it's really fortunate to them that they have that luxury, right? And Parker, I'll bring you back in on this. We've talked a little bit about this before, but the idea that this Grizzlies team is set up about as nicely, at least for the short term as anybody In the NBA, Jake mentioned the cap space. I believe if they renounce all their holds, including Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, they'll have over $20 million in cap space this summer. They will have the opportunity to trade, wheel, and deal within the NBA draft, which they've shown uh, a deep desire to do in the past. I believe every single draft that Zach Kleiman and company have been in charge in Memphis, they've made at least one trade, if not more. So, Parker, when you look at how this team is set up, I know we you, you didn't like mid-Rich Williams as much as I did. How much does it bother you, if at all, that the Grizzlies didn't make that move as you look at this roster heading into the Minnesota Timberwolves, Chicago Bulls, the sprint to the finish? Are you comfortable with, with what Jake just kind of outlined, the idea of wanting to see what this group can do and then reevaluating, or do you wish they had done something a little bit more intense at the deadline? I think I already know this answer, but. I just wanted to get your take on what Jake just said, confirming what we already knew, Parker, that the team really wants to get a good look at what this particular group can do when, especially in the first round, they're expected to win.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you didn't try to uh, predict what I was going to say there, but I I think it's a good idea to just see what this team looks like in the postseason because I wrote about this in a piece last week uh, in my Limitless uh, feature that I wrote on the Grizzlies and Zach climate's comments is, in last year's playoffs, they didn't have this version of Jaron Jackson, Jr. This version of Desmond Bain. And frankly, like also like Brandon Clark wasn't in the rotation either. And surely I would think Brandon Clark might be passing Kyle Anderson in that pecking order of, uh, backup big men, uh, per se. So like, just go ahead and write it out. Like if anything, I wish they could have tried to parlay Culver or Anderson into uh, a versatile weapon off the bench. That's more of like a perimeter weapon because aside from D'Anthony Melton, who's rather inconsistent, they don't really have any three point threats off the bench. Uh, like could they have seen if Portland wanted to quickly shop Josh Hart for a first round pick since say they, they're kind of rebuilding and retooling and Josh Hart has a very favorable contract to do so. That was something I was interested in. But, I mean, I, I think they're fine doing what they're doing. It's not even all that with the uncertainties of what certain guys at this iteration look like in a postseason setting. they have had Dylan Brooks for 21 games, and he's not going to average 50, uh, 25 points in a playoff series ever again. And if he does, he's probably going to get a max contract next next year. But, I mean, he's a guy – that good for 15 points he has a good track record guarding uh, the league's elite so you might as well see what you got because you have the cap space you have three picks but also between dylan brooks brandon clark and steven adams you're gonna have 41 million dollars in expiring contracts going into next season so there are just so many different avenues for them to improve and those avenues really open up in the summertime
0: we're talking with jake fisher uh, the wonderful writer of Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever with Triumph Books. That's where you can check it out through Triumph Books. Obviously, most of the time he's writing for Bleacher Report. We've been talking with Jake at Jake L. Fisher about his great work during the trade deadline leading up to it, confirming the, what we all kind of already knew the Grizzlies were pretty happy with their team. They weren't really interested in making big moves no matter how much I asked them to trade for Kendrick Williams. They did not listen to me, which is probably for the best for them in the long run. Jake, I'm curious as you watch the Grizzlies from afar, I always love having the opportunity to talk to national NBA people, national writers, folks that cover the league as a whole, because when we are covering the Grizzlies the way that we do at GBB or any local media, you get very much in that particular bubble, right? So you have a chance to experience the league as a whole, whereas we're very much, you know, I would consider myself somebody that's well-versed in the Grizzlies after, you know, the eight years of doing this, but I'm not as, you know, well-versed in the NBA as you are. What do you see the ceiling of Ja Morant being? Because I was really taken aback by, you know, the reports of Dwayne Wade and Ray Allen talking with Ja uh, while they were doing their NBA 75 uh, conversations, honoring that 75th anniversary team there at all-star weekend and saying that john morant will see you on nba 100 you know 25 years from now that it was staggering to me and maybe it shouldn't be because i continue to be amazed at what the ceiling theoretically could be for john morant could he truly be one of the best 100 players to ever play this game how lucky the memphis grizzlies are as we talked about at the beginning of the show to have this guy in on their roster From what you've seen, comparing it to the others, you know, I think Giannis, LeBron, uh, Kevin Durant, and then somebody else off the top of my head who I'm forgetting are are the four current players that were on that team. When you look at what they're capable of doing, maybe it was Damian Lillard. um, But anyway, is John Morant really that good that 25 years from now, God hopes I'm not doing this, But whoever's hosting this podcast 25 years from now, are we talking about John Morant being named to the NBA 100 team? Is that realistic for him?
2: Yeah, why not? I I think if you talk to anyone around the league, John Morant is considered to be in that next tier of, you know, the next guys, the the next faces of the league type of player. That's that's where he's at. I mean – He's kind of a combination of Allen Iverson and Wesley Westbrook in terms of like his cultural appeal. Um, I mean, when he when he dunks in the all-star game, it's a moment, right? Um he's gonna be that type of player. He might not be the best player in the league, but he's got absolute potential to do that. And in the meantime, he's gonna be an all-star starter probably, I think, until until his until he he's, he ends up on the back half of his career or he starts to lose a little bit of burst like like Russell Westbrook has right now you know um his ceiling is absolutely to be in that top 100 caliber um of players like who's like why couldn't he have a career just as impactful as Damian Lillard
0: i think it's fair to say he absolutely could and again we could debate i know lots of people think it should be Dwight Howard and not Damian Lillard i would support that take but yeah i i, I do see John Morant being in a position to where he can take full advantage of the opportunities being provided him in Memphis. It's really a beautiful marriage of the organization and the player, at least to this point, which bringing us back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, just how fortunate Memphis is to have Morant as opposed to Zion Williamson, who, you know, even if the Grizzlies were still as functional drafting Desmond Bain, Brandon Clark, the resignings of the Anthony Melton up and down the list, it still seems like Zion didn't want to be in a small market or at least is not interested in that long term. John Morant seems to be the opposite, at least to this point, and his words have been backed up by his actions, which gives us plenty of reason in Memphis to be excited. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Jake. We're going to look ahead. We're going to look to the 22 games remaining for the Memphis Grizzlies, ceilings, what should be expected, and what would you, as a Grizzlies fan, and I'll ask Jake this question as well, what would you prefer? Individual success, team rewards, or a big fish being snagged in the offseason over these next six months for the Grizzlies? You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live with Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, joined by my co-host and associate editor, Parker Fleming, over at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're following him at paka underscore and make sure you're following me at Joe Mullinax on Twitter if you so choose. We're joined at this time by Jake Fisher, tremendous author of the book Built to Lose How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Find that through Triumph Books, wherever books are sold. He, of course, writes most of the time over at Bleacher Report. In the first segment, we talked about the trade deadline inactivity, the ceiling of John Morant, and that ties in nicely to our question of the day over at GBB Live on Twitter. Obviously, the season's restarting, Jake. That's one of the reasons I was so excited to have you on the show. Every time we record an episode, or almost every time, I ask a question of the day on social media. Today's question I thought was particularly diabolical, Jake. Which would you prefer to happen if only one is an option with regard to the Grizzlies over the next six months? The options were, number one, John Morant wins most improved player. Which of these four options, I would say is probably the most likely at this stage. And Vegas would agree with that in terms of betting odds. Number two, John Morant finishes top five in MVP voting. Also seems probable at this stage. He's top six, top seven at the very least. I believe he's number six on DraftKings as we speak. Uh, The Grizzlies win a playoff series. So there's that team success aspect. That would be a pretty good thing for this young team. Second roster, second youngest, excuse me, roster in the NBA. And then the last one that I loved, uh, just a little bit of a tweak, and that's where I'll defer to your experience in conversations around the NBA. The Memphis Grizzlies acquired Jalen Brown, presumably, obviously, now that the trade deadline is passed, around the NBA draft. Uh, Grizzlies fans, thank you to the almost 220 folks that voted, chose the Grizzlies winning a playoff series. Good for you, that team's success. That's the way you're supposed to think, I think. But but Jake, I really like the, the, uh, the Jalen Brown addition there. So I have a two-part question for you, but I'll start with the first part here, Jake. The Grizzlies are currently the number three seed in the Western Conference. They're in a position to perhaps overtake Golden State. That might be tough for them to do. They're almost certainly going to host a playoff series in the first round, which means technically they are the favorites. However, if you look at the bottom of the Western Conference standings, you've got the Dallas Mavericks with Luka Doncic, Denver uh, Nuggets, with Nikola Jokic, who's playing better than he did in his MVP season, both Los Angeles teams. I am kind of of the mind, Jake, that that first-round playoff series is going to be tougher maybe than most Grizzlies fans would think. Uh, Do you think that it's more likely, Jake, that John Morant wins the most improved player or he finishes top five in MVP voting or the Grizzlies win a
2: playoff series? I think... He's far more likely to finish top five in MVP voting and the Grizzlies win um, a playoff series and he gets most improved. I think most improved is probably more of the Desmond Bain, Tyler Hero type of conversation. Typically, when a, a star moves from being a star to a better star, they, they don't typically get the most improved award. Um and that's interesting that you say that, because I believe
0: the last time I checked online books, he was the leader for Most Improved Player Award.
2: Yeah, I don't think that that that, that would seem to be off base from from my understanding of how the award typically gets voted for. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be getting most improved votes by by the media. I, I think he'll be in the MVP conversation. But that that award, I think it's an opportunity more to um to honor, I don't want to say role players, but the secondary type of guys, you know, um, it doesn't typically go to that, that franchise leading. I could be wrong. I could be totally off base here. I, I just, I'm not expecting him to be in the most improved conversation.
0: Interesting. I'll, I'll double check that here in a moment. Once you, uh once, once I get into the second part of the question with you. um And then from there, let's say, hypothetically speaking, I'll bring Parker in after I talk with Jake here. Jake, let's say that the Grizzlies lose in the first round to whoever they play, Dallas, Denver. Again, that's a perfectly possible thing. The Western Conference, if it's healthy, because you have Jamal Murray potentially returning, all sorts of different layers to this, Kawhi Leonard maybe, uh, the Lakers trying to get healthy and get themselves together, if that's possible. Uh, You know, the Memphis as a three or four seed, if they don't get up to the two especially. Them losing isn't that far-fetched. Do you see a scenario from your conversations, the things you heard during the trade deadline, Jalen Brown pops up every once in a while, various reports that maybe Boston doesn't believe he and Jason Tatum can coexist. Is there an avenue for Memphis to take advantage of this disgruntled star idea and maybe take a swing at a Jalen Brown who theoretically speaking would be a perfect fit next to John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. in particular, assuming? that the Grizzlies might have to part with the Desmond Bain in order to bring Brown into the fold.
2: There's definitely an opportunity for, for the Grizzlies to to take a big swing. Will it be Jalen Brown? I think that's, it's, it's very early to tell. I mean, obviously that right now the Celtics are, have been as hot as anybody. Uh, They lost one bad game. I forget who the opponent was right before the, right before the all-star break and um, that kind of ended their momentum there, but they won nine straight at one point. Um, Jalen and Jason had seemed to kind of find a groove together. They've added Derek White. Um, As as long as they continue on an upward trajectory in Boston, I don't think that the Celtics will entertain the notion of breaking up those two players right now. If they get to the playoffs, though, and the first round's a disaster and and it doesn't work out, you know, then we'll see. I, I think, just like with Memphis, how the Grizzlies are kind of looking to go into the postseason and evaluate this group. There's a lot of situations around the league that could look very different depending on how their postseason appearance ends up. You know, Chicago, th- this is the first year with this group and they are facing a pretty big free agency cycle with Zach Levine's contract going up. Like, is that an opportunity for the Grizzlies to potentially sneak in there? You know, um, there's there's just a lot, I think, from, you know, the Jazz with that whole Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert dynamic, that you know, how 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 well and how deep can they go into the playoffs? Um, there's there's just there's a lot to be determined still that will ultimately impact how this offseason unfolds.
0: Yeah, John Morant is still very clearly the betting favorite for most improved player. You're, to your point, in fairness to you, Jake, Miles Bridges, Darius Garland, Jawante or Jawante, excuse me, Murray, Anthony Simons, Desmond Bain is on that list. Tyler Hero, Jared Allen, so. The player that you have outlined is exactly who they are saying after Morant. But I'm with you. I agree with your overall philosophy. I was just curious because he's a very clear favorite. Morant is minus 450 according to BetGM. Miles Bridges is the next closest at plus 600. That's a drastic difference. Uh, But anyway, I I agree with your overall points on the award. And I'm very excited about your idea on Jalen Brown. And that's what I'll bring you back on with Parker. You just heard the man himself. Not many folks are more in tune with the NBA than Jake Fisher. Maybe it's not Jalen Brown. But the fact that they could take that swing, the opening will be there, especially if they lose in the first round. So that's why I'm fascinated, Parker, by the 30% that wish that Jalen Brown would be here over everything else. Because that almost certainly means, Parker Fleming, the Grizzlies lose in the first round, doesn't it? If they go on some sort of run, if they go and they win in the first round, they somehow win in the second, they make the Western Conference Finals, it's really difficult to say, blow the team up. If you lose in the first round, now you see what you need in theory and you go make that big swing.
1: Yeah, I, I can't lie that this poll is diabolical as hell. Um, I fell under one of the 30% that voted for uh, Jalen Brown because, like, I mean, I've been a fan of this team since I was a kid. And like, they've never been in a position really to go get a big fish, nor had they ever. Uh, But now with this front office is forward thinking the, the landscape of the league potentially shaking soon. Cause I mean, I know we've brought up Jalen Brown and Jake brought up Zach Levine, but I mean, Bradley Beal situations always is looming like every single week. Um, Like, uh, I mean, you know, as is OKC trying to make, uh, SGA and giddy thing. Like, you don't, you, we don't know that. So, um, just, I, I think getting the big fish is great because, you know, uh, shameless plug, like the long view sense of things, it helps them out better because for one, presumably you're taking care of your contract situations that you would have had to answer otherwise, because surely Dylan Brooks and Brandon Clark would probably be in that deal. Um, so you wouldn't have to worry about paying those guys. And also, too, it just sets you up better uh, down the road for uh, sustainable success. I mean, next season, Kawhi's coming back. Paul George's coming back. Uh, Denver's going to get a healthier Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Um, like there, there's avenues where teams in the Grizzlies conference can internally improve, and that doesn't even discount the fact that the moves that could be made. So I think making a move for a big fish helps set up the Grizzlies to kind of stay in that Phoenix and presumably Clippers and Nuggets tier and Golden State once the West is a lot more healthy.
0: You make a great point there. The Clippers are terrifying going into next season. Paul, George, Kawhi, Leonard, Norman Powell being there now, Robert Covington presumably uh, lots of good depth there. We're finishing up with Jake Fisher. He does a remarkable job, again, writing for Bleacher Report. But in particular, uh, beyond Bleacher Report, he wrote the great book Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Follow him on Twitter, at Jake L. Fisher, if you don't already do so. Jake, we'll get you out of here on this. I know your time is precious. I'm a believer that the Grizzlies are going to have their cake and eat it, too, if that makes sense. I think that they're going to win in the first round. Seven-game series, it's going to be a bloodbath. Not an easy win by any stretch of the imagination for Memphis. And then they're going to lose in the second round to a better built team in the moment, right? Because, again, we got to remember, the Grizzlies are the second youngest team in the NBA. Golden State is built to win now. The Phoenix Suns are built to win now. Memphis is overachieving still. So it's a wonderful season. If they lose in the second round, there's no disappointment from me. But losing in the second round to a superior team will do exactly what Parker just said. They will see what they need to stay in that tier. They'll go get that big fish anyway. I'm curious if you agree with what I see, Jake, as their are this season. Uh, Zach Kleiman says, don't put limits on them. Desmond Bain said that at All-Star Weekend. I don't want to put limits on what we can do. But we're in the content business, Jake. I know you know that. What is their limit, in your opinion? Again, assuming that injuries, health, all that stuff, what is a realistic expectation for this Grizzlies team as we enter the quote-unquote second half 22 games? of the regular season into the playoffs.
2: I think I think your expectations are realistic, but I also think they could easily get around or two into the playoffs. Like why couldn't they make the conference finals? It's a team that you guys know. They get up for every moment. They're not scared. They always go on runs whenever they need to. Um, the defense will travel. They've got one of the most respected coaches in the league. I just I don't see why I don't see why their inexperience is going to ultimately be, you know, the Suns had Chris Paul on their team. Right. But that group that made a big run to the finals, most of those guys have never even sniffed the postseason before. So I'm not I'm not ready to say that the Grizzlies are just going to be a a one playoff round victory. And out. I'm I'm very curious to see how far they can go. Jake Fisher,
0: you're not helping me temper expectations. I'm going to be honest with you. You're, you're making me very excited here. When somebody with, with the national uh, tap-in that Jake has says that your team can make the Western Conference Finals, maybe it's time you start raising your own expectations. Jake, thank you so much, buddy. I know you're so busy. Built to lose how the NBA's tanking era changed the league forever. You can look for that with Triumph Books. Most of the stuff that Jake does is at Bleacher Report. He's one of the very best in the business. Follow him on Twitter, at Jake L. Fisher, if you don't already do so. Jake, again, thank you for your time, and hopefully we can have you back on down the road.
2: You got it. Thank you guys so much for the time and the platform, and uh, keep doing what you're doing as well.
0: Oh, I appreciate that, Jake. There he goes. Jake Fisher, thank you again. Bleacher Report, great book on tanking. Can't recommend Jake's work enough. Parker, let's, let's get out of here on this. I'm... I, I we, we had this conversation, I believe, on a long-view Spotify, some sort of thing, where I need, to, I need to start buying in more. I need to start buying in. That's Jake Fisher. That is somebody who is hanging out with Mark Stein. That is someone who is as tapped in as anybody in the NBA. And he said, why can't the Memphis Grizzlies make the Western Conference Finals? I need to get more excited, Parker. I think you need to get more excited, too, because in our roundtable that went live over at grizzlybearblues.com, We all said the same thing. We said that they were going to be knocked out in the second round by a better team. Maybe the Grizzlies are the better team, Parker. I'm so excited.
1: So I'm just going to say this with the whole gold, my golden state prediction. I don't have them losing to the superior team. I have them losing to the veteran team. If that makes sense. Like Steph Curry, Draymond and clay. Those dudes have been through some wars. That's my only concern. But at the same time, I'm like, hell, like what? We've seen the Grizzlies match up pretty well with Golden State. They have a small ball neutralizer that with Jaron Jackson, who like if you paired him against Draymond, like that's a, a guy that's the size of a center playing a quote-unquote small ball five. And that doesn't even include opening up the potentials of small ball avenue there for the Grizzlies, whether that's – uh the The twin telethropy of Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, throwing Dylan Brooks in at the four, and throwing D'Anthony Melton in the lineup, or going with Colin Anderson. It gives a lot of possibilities. But I mean, I mean, it's one of those like it's it's like what John Morant said early in the season. Like says who you know. Like I I think that like more and more by the day, I'm like I think this team can make the Western Conference Finals. And Joe, I gotta ask you. If the Grizzlies do go to the Western Conference Finals, even if they don't win it, they steal a game or two. Will you finally admit that this is the greatest Grizzlies team in franchise history? (sighs) I know you, because see, you have like very, you're very like grit and grind. Like people can't forget, and I don't want to ever forget about grit and grind. I don't ever want to discredit what they did. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if they got to the same destination and stole a few more games, like, is there a case to be made? I mean, they're already on track to have the highest winning percentage. So where where do you stand?
0: Yeah, if they somehow win a game in the Western Conference Finals, I think you have to say they're the greatest Grizzlies team of all time. They would have done more than, theoretically speaking, the greatest Grizzlies team of all time in that 2013 Western Conference Finals run. Now, I know you and I have talked about this before and others, I believe the 2014-2015 team, the one where Mike Conley broke his face, was actually the better team.
1: Yeah, Um, that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, and I think that that was really the greatest Grizzlies team of all time, and injury undid them. You're never going to be able to convince me that that team doesn't beat Golden State if Conley is healthy, and Tony Allen to a lesser extent. Uh, But no, I I think that if they are able to make the Western Conference Finals, and I think that's one of the reasons – that getting that two seed should matter. Because then again, if you have that game seven against the war-driven, war-hardened Warriors, it's in Memphis. It's in FedEx form and not out on the Bay. I think that would be huge for a young Grizzlies team. Uh, I'm, I'm of the mind that, and it's this is kind of oversimplifying it, to me, if the Grizzlies get to the two seed, they're going to make the Western Conference Finals. If they don't get to the two seed, <laughs> I see them losing the Golden State because of home court advantage. I think it's that important. And I am curious to see if the Grizzlies agree with that philosophy and come out guns a-blazing starting Thursday night against Minnesota. Parker, as always, it's a joy. It's a privilege. I know you're working on the core four. Uh, one of our new, our, A couple of our newest writers will be joining you. Not core four, excuse me. Uh, the Longview. Longview. Yeah, Longview yeah. Checking myself. The Longview podcast. I know some of our newest writers will be on for that. So, again, it's a two-for kind of midweek. Get you ready for the start of the second season, uh, so to speak, second half of the season for the Memphis Grizzlies. Sprint to the playoffs and beyond. GBB Live, Longview. Parker, thank you as always, buddy.
1: Joe, thank you very much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you to Jake Fisher again, Bleacher Report. Uh, amazing work on that book that he wrote, Built to Lose How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever Through Triumph Books. Make sure you're checking that out. Make sure you're checking him out on Twitter at Jake L. Fisher. Check out Parker on Twitter at Paca underscore Flaca. Check out our wonderful blog at SBN Grizzlies on Twitter, grizzlybearblues.com. Check out our podcast, GBB Live at GBB Live. And you can follow me on Twitter if you want to make that terrible choice at Joe Mullinax. Subscribe via Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, Google, Apple. However you get your podcasts, make the GBB Podcast Network part of your Memphis Grizzlies experience, especially as potentially the greatest team in Memphis Grizzlies history starts the stretch run. For Jake, for Parker, I'm Joe Mullinax. Thank you so much for listening. Continue to make GBB a part of your Memphis Grizzlies fan experience. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blue Line. I'm so happy to be